August 6, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Scott for Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Started off with John Coltrane. He's 19 years old when he did this, people. He's still in the Navy. And uh, he's playing alto, in fact, 1946. A tune called Swiss, Sweet Miss. Don't fuck it up, what? Then we had Taylor Savvy, The Passionate <laughs> Few. And you might hear some laughing. You can tell I'm not man alone because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got your brother Taylor Savvy here from Berlin via Skype. Welcome aboard, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me so, so much. <laughs> Bonjour. Look, uh, we got to give thanks right away for Taylor Andrea for making the connect. Oh, yeah. Andrea Belsi, hammer, hammer style drummer here from Italy, living in Berlin, right? And you guys did some touring together, right, all through Europe over the last years? Well, I'll tell you the reason I know him is because Fratello uh -huh. Stay, right? Stefano Palia. He's the guy who put together a project in 2008 called Il Sogno de Marnaio. Right. Right? Zeman's Troima or some shit. And uh, <laughs> I, I did some tours with him. I did a couple of recordings. He's a beautiful musician uh, and also composer. And just an incredible cat. And uh, there's another. Uh, we went on. It's the project still going and stuff but uh i'm going to record again with him and tell stay for uh, a buddy we lost a guy named miles he's killed in a uh, truck wreck and oh, so we, but, you know yeah when you lose a music brother right the best thing you can do maybe is or maybe only thing you can do is maybe make music in their honor nice it's, yeah it's a hard thing to deal with he's uh, he, too short too short but that's the way it's fucked up. That's hard for me to understand. But I've had uh, the, the hardest lesson I've never gotten used to is losing people. But let's talk about your journey, Taylor. Through, okay. Um, uh, through 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 your journey through music. Please bring your earliest musical recollection. Okay. Um, I thought you'd never ask. God. Oh, it's um. What would it be? Just my brother is four years my senior. And so we grew up in Canada in a suburban house, and um, my brother and I just always were music fanatics somehow. I don't even know why. It's not so much coming from the family side of things, but we just totally fell into with other friends on our street who had record collections. And therefore, we just started playing music together, like pots and pans on the bed, him just slamming his hands down on the acoustic guitar. That, that's and, your earliest memory is doing pots and pans. Exactly, yeah. Now, and that ain't so that... weird. I got to tell you, if you watch the different Dharmer documentary, it's only a half hour long on YouTube.com with uh, Elvin Jones. That's how he started. Right. He got money. Yeah, and his sister helped him with a loan and then his paper route, and he bought a real drum set, but he started on Pots and Pan. Oh, so, and he kind of never stopped in a beautiful way. Right. He, <laughs> and it ended up, right, uh, oxygen tanks on stage, right? That guy went down doing gigs. Right. And was it his... Oh, I, my memory. His wife was, was Keiko. 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 And she set up the drums. But did she also set up the oxygen tent as yeah, well? Yeah, all that stuff. And <laughs> people were saying, yeah, she's the one forcing him to do the gigs. But I think it was him, you know, love of music. They lived in Nagasaki, yeah. so their first gigs when they come over here to tour would be, of course, Los Angeles, you know. The iron-on stickers on the uh, jazz machine, of course, he didn't wear them, but the young guys in the band did. They're really stiff because of the first gigs. So this pad, I mean, Canada's kind of big, like bigger than the U.S. So what part? 
in Toronto. Okay. Oh, the Toronto, big town. Big, okay. So, uh, well, Burlington was a suburb of that. In sure. I, I, I've been uh, uh, driven around it, kind of, because cool. you know, I, I love playing in Canada. I love you know, being allowed to work there and stuff. Uh, let, let me, in fact, first foreign country I ever played. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's funny. Does, let me ask does, you. Do a, lot of, do a lot of Americans think of Canada as a foreign country? Uh, most uh, in U.S. Cool man, when I started touring outside the country and talking to other people, they had no fucking idea. Some One dude thought he, uh, <laughs> uh, Holland was a town in Sweden. <laughs> Great. Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, challenged. Not everybody, but, and I think it's a little better than, you know, 40, 50 years ago, but I, I, I wish, you know, especially with Canadian actors, they're on our team. Captain Kirk is Canadian. Mike Fox. Right. Yeah. So, 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 look, True North, they got, you got your own identity, your own land. It's okay. <laughs> I learned about the yeah. Loyalist Parkway, all that stuff from Torn and Fort York and all that shit. Got to play Fort York, right? Where they blew up a bunch of soldiers. I found out the War 1812 was uh, to try to steal. But anyway, let, let's get on your, your, your story about music. So this pad you grew up in in Toronto in Burlington, Toronto That's right. area. Did it have musical instruments? Um, yeah, it was. It was more like a, a great community of of kids that had the desire to get bands together. Like you say, it's not. I don't think it's an unusual story. But the the nice thing is that we oh, most of us still keep in touch. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about um, I don't know, like social media and those things of that. Like when I have a question, for instance, of like. You know, what was that song I was playing with, with, uh, you know, my old pal when I was uh, 12 years old? You know, it's the kind of cool thing is that I can still get in touch with him and say, yo, uh, Daily, like, what was that Grateful Dead song again? We did? <laughs> So oh. a lot of us still kind of kind of became musicians and are still kind of have a foot in the water. OK, so, so this ain't in your house. This is your group of friends. That's right, exactly. Okay, yeah. I'm curious about the house, though, because some people grow uh, up in musical houses. Some people don't. And it, it, it seems not to matter on the, the uh, journey of the musician, you know? Right. Yeah. In, in my house, there wasn't any music coming from my family's side. Um, you know, my dad was really, his record collection, like he, as an immigrant, he came over in 56 from Hungary. Year before and I was born. Kind of, That's right. So both of my parents are Hungarian. Oh, you know what? There's an island mm-hmm. I played in Bel- in uh, Budapest called Ziggit Festival. There's exactly. Island Zig- That's right. And your your name's got a sounds like that. Okay. It, it's true. It's true. Man, yeah, I'm I mean, I'm a forever slow learner, but I am a student. I am trying to learn Taylor's stuff. So thank you so much. So what, no, what no. I, Canadian school system? I'm not so uh, familiar with. But did you, were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? Not even. I, I wasn't such a good student as such. And kind of later, I joined kind of the jazz band as I was when I was kind of getting more involved in playing bass. Bass is kind of my first and main. Oh, main how'd you get on the bass? Um, yeah, good question. I, I, I really think it was one of those things that nobody else played bass. And <laughs> no one else wanted, wanted to rock the bass. So you, you filled in the gap, right? Man, Glad in the old days, yeah, that was yeah. so much the fucking case. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing, though, is that, like in a, in a flip switch, it's like because I, I always loved playing guitar as well, and and like lots of other things that's just around. But bass is kind of the main thing. But I find it funny how a lot of guitarists they just kind of can mistakenly assume that bass is so easy for a guitarist just to sit down and play. And I find that oh, because it's like, like it's, a guitar it's almost, with four strings. 
Yeah, and it's almost like you know what? Why don't we like players. learn these guys that it's actually a <laughs> drum with four strings? It ain't a guitar with four strings. That's right. But uh, but I think it's funny. It's like old bass players. Like they, if you really know, uh, rather if you can com- relate to that instrument, then you you also keep quiet about the secrets of the instrument. Too, ah, yeah, which is such absolutely. a bass thing, isn't it? Like yeah. a Robert Johnson thing, right? You turn around when you play, so they don't fucking steal your hand moves. Exactly, man. <laughs> so, so tell me. Look, I'm a little prejudiced towards this instrument. So, mm-hmm. what was your first one? Um, it was kind of like a Fender Precision copy. Yeah, from blonde, a pawn shop or something. Was so bad, yeah. And it was the kind of thing too that I, that later, later when I got kind of, I don't know, my my chops up on like electronics. Like I'm still really, really bad at fixing instruments and things. But there was a point when I was like. I had I was a little bit older, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this first bass into a great bass. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy some parts. I'm gonna really like, <laughs> soup it up in my dad's kitchen, and I completely destroyed the whole thing. <laughs> I did the same fucking thing. What what kind of amp was your first amp? I uh, it was a PV amp, but like I, I don't know. Some people say PV are, are okay amplifiers. The one I had was just terrible. Yeah, mine was, was terrible too. I had a two fifteen three hundred watt thing. But, Okay, but, so did, but they Ricardo, that was the good thing. <laughs> <laughs> they call them what Mississippi Marshals or something. Yeah, like anti tone. Ah, yeah, right. So, so, but you said something about in school. Did you you play this bass guitar in school in the jazz band? Kind of, yeah. As I got older, and the jazz bands were happening. So, did um, you take instruction? I, no. No. Okay. Okay. Well, no, well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get down the road, so I'm just curious. Right, uh, right, right. You um, don't have to, no. you, you know, what, what's it called? Autodidact? Were you autodidact? A little, yeah. But I started, I, I had some teachers kind of early on. My, What was my thing? Like, I guess I started taking lessons when I was like six. Like, it's absurd now that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, kind of in the 50s zone of life and I think back to these things I think my god I was so young I did some of these things but but the, the fact is yeah my first lessons when I was like kind of six my brother was already playing guitar I was a little older than me and ended up first taking lessons on on lap steel guitar lap steel because, Whoa. yeah because my parents were just really they just wanted kind of to put the two kids you know, we love music, so they thought, oh, let's just sign them up for, for the first uh, guitar lessons we can. So they went down to the local, the local school, and it just happened to be kind of a stockpile for, for lap steel instruments, like Hawaiian lap steel kind sure, of Sure, sure, sure. Pedal, pedal stuff, but just the six strings. And my folks, they were really so you know, out of it. They're like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take the package, we'll buy one of these guitars and a little amp, and the kids will begin to have lessons. And my brother and I... When on the first day, we were just scratching our heads like, what the hell is this instrument? Like, this has nothing to do with any other music that we've listened to. Yeah, well, let me ask you about that. Like, what was the first record you bought with your own money? It would have been, um, um, I guess, uh, Kiss Alive or Kiss Love Gun, one of those. Okay, and what was the first gig you went and saw? And the first gig, it's it's a toss-up of... of two things because I can't remember they were both I was 10 years old and I found two ticket stubs and one of them was for Rush Moving Pictures <laughs> Tour okay. and 
I mean, as a Canadian, I can't avoid Not Canadian. just that. Taylor, I got to tell you, even if you're in a trio, nobody talks to you about cream. They all or Jimmy. They want to talk to you about Rush. And I got to meet a couple of them, and they're nice guys and great musicians. But, God, I went to two of their gigs and fell 30 years apart and conked at both. Not on wow. purpose. Wow. And maybe it's no comment on their music. Maybe it's a comment on what. Okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, so, uh, that, so, okay, yeah, there's not a lot of slide guitar going on with either of those bands. Exactly. And the, the other show that is maybe I saw one first and the other was a direct result of just having a music teacher who was really into jazz fusion. And, um, and I was studied with a long time with this, this dude, but I ended up going to see Jaco Pistorius with the word of mouth big band. I remember that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm still, I'm still so happy. I, I have such hilarious memories of that uh, situation. But I think, yeah, the first one was either Rush or Jaco Pistorius. So it's okay. Like, so uh, the, the music's pretty divorced, but, but you know what? Maybe the, your parents' plan was for you and your brother to make a band. <laughs> Did you guys make a bedroom band or garage band or basement band? Yeah, yeah, and that kind of quickly went into kind of playing at the Battle of the Bands with with certain friends. Um, so it was kind of a regular thing, but just learning cover songs and playing them with friends down the street, or just my brother and I in the house, or um, doing funny four track recordings with other people around the corner. So it was very much, yeah. There was a kind of from early on, it was a constant factor of social life. Like That's great. Look, you gave me something that you did with peaches. I'm going to play that right now. I see you sitting stuff in your face. Why don't you stuff me up? I see you sitting stuff in your face. Why don't you stuff me up? I see you sitting stuff in your face. Why don't you stuff me up?
<laughs> I still blow clams after 20 years, three months. People, that chunk of music started off with Taylor Savvy along with Peaches doing Stuff Me Up. <laughs> that reminds me of Rolling Stone song, right? Start Me Up. Kind of. Yeah, right. Can't copyright a title, people, so don't get any ideas. Okay, Lagoon Monster Rubber Mask Volume 2, Part A1. Yes, Bronze Age UFO out of Balmar has a new installment. I guess. Maybe they're going to make a whole bunch of this fucking uh, rubber mask L Lagoon Monster. Maybe it's a metaphor for the sitch. I don't know. Orin uh, Ambarchi and Tom Retchion after that with Remake. Orin was on the show uh, last week, and he was a connect from Fatello Andrea too. So there's another Grazia. A skullcaster, Chris Combs, with, uh, yeah, he likes these titles. Neo Stylopchia, Stylopiga, Rombifolia. Yeah, what the fuck? You look at books, find this shit. Anyway, it's beautiful music, and I love it. Uh, Nathaniel Mellers after that with Horrific Object. Victor Timofeev out of the Ukraine, brand new Shaka Mana. Digging that. Wharton Tears from Fun City. He had... I got to record in his studio in Manhattan with uh, Bob Quine and uh, Steve Shelley, Lee Ronaldo. Did you know ja Johanna Frieza? Wharton, everybody said, man, Bob Quine's going to rip your head off. He's mean. And he wasn't. He was very nice. <laughs> so don't believe people until you, yeah, you have the nightmare experience, I guess. Level 700. Raw Violin Seed Oil Slick by Bombas Prendon. And finally, uh, you gave me this. Jamie Liddell with When I Come Back Around. Okay. Well, I didn't know the connect. Like I said, I'm learning the little mind uh, reading shit, but in the meantime, we're going to have to use words. Sorry, Taylor. <laughs> the shortcoming. So, okay. Uh, get back to the days of yore. Get old Shakespeare on your ass. And uh, uh, you, and your, you and your brother are playing with different cats, battles of the bands. Uh, what, what about, like, uh, you and your brother... You know, there, there's no culture for it. They don't happen. Me and D. Boone, we were trying to copy songs off records. But I'm curious, did you guys try to write your own songs? Kind of. In in a way, when there was a reason to, then we would. So, And it wasn't an emotional reason ever. It was more like, oh, we got, like, we can't learn this cool song, so we're just going to have to write something for these four minutes of the set. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and, by, and by, uh, by this time, you have moved off the slide guitar and onto bass guitar? Exactly, exactly. My brother was playing like a six-string guitar then, so, so oh we wow, in that. So you guys, mm -hmm. you're getting all trad, you're getting all traditional on this. Okay, <laughs> well, and the drummer man, what they they just be like other buddies, or did you have a consistent cat? No, no, no. It was always just a, a revolving crew of, of people. And, um, and and since school, I mean, you said you were in the jazz band, but you weren't really studying that hard that way. Yeah, I was studying hard. I mean, eventually, kind of after high school, went yeah. and studied at uh, in Montreal. I got my jazz bass degree for what for what that's worth. So I really no, no, that's worth a lot, man. I mean, who no, is John Petitucci from there, or or is it uh, Ontario? I think he's a Canadian uh, guy. Is he okay? I didn't even know. I mean, that. He's an incredible bass. He's way into John Coltrane too. One of those guys right. with six strings. That, you know, another solar system from what, but. Yeah. <laughs> Still a lot of respect for him. So I, I don't shortchange Canadians. Nobody picks where the fuck they're born. And that's stupid shit anyway. 
But but you went to school there. <laughs> Did you ever get to uh, see gigs at Fufo and Electric? I I lived in Montreal for that, but no, I actually didn't. I never did. Because that's where I used to play in the old days. Oh, great, great. Man, I I have a lot of good memories. A lot of great memories. And it was one of the only places, right, for punk punk bands to come by. Right. Right. Beautiful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember the boss, but... uh, Clark, Mr. Clark, uh, there was Margaret Thatcher in England, and we had Ron Regan, and there was some clown. I got to talk to Joey Shithead and Billy Bragg about those days. You know, things get all revisionist and stuff. But, yeah, there wasn't a lot of places to play. But that was a great pad to play. And also I got to play (laughs) Quebec City once, a place called Shoe Clack. Okay, uh, while you were at college and doing and learning your jazz (laughs) bass, were you playing in bands on the side? That's right, yeah, playing in bands on the side. But it was always kind of in in what always kind of was the, the hmm, what made the gigs exciting for me was kind of this double-edged thing about professional and amateur or um, kind of intellectual or just like dumbing it down or how can I say it in a way? Low-brow, medium-brow, high-brow. Kind of, it's it, it just kind of led to kind of an, an appreciation of, of all things outsider. That's what I kind of want to get to. That oh, kind okay. Of studied, studied technique and, you know, understood and studied Coltrane for a while. And it's just a, a never ending quest for, you know, how, how these sounds are made and organized and, and all that. A few yeah. years is not going to get me through much, really. But but kind of like the, the leading thing has been this this idea of, of music just being played everywhere and just the average person. And I just say that because one of the other early things I remember as a kid was just kind of after dinner, my mom kind of doing the dishes and the singing songs, but her, her pitch was just terrible. And like, she's, she would admit that too, but it was this kind of like early memories of what, what makes music important. And what led me to it initially was just the, the basic emotion involved in it and the intense behind it. And that's kind of always carried through. So as much as I kind of like, I can appreciate, I don't know, jazz and high level technical stuff. Ultimately, it's like as a listener and as a player, it's always, I just want to get to that place where it means something. And there's like, that can't happen 100% of the time either. But kind of like this, this lesson of like, okay, what is all this for? Like I, after studying music for a while, it's like, okay, I, I, kind of in a Buddhist way, it's like, you know, the more you study, the less you know, etc. So why, I don't know, why get stressed out about stuff when it's just kind of more like, I'm just searching just for an emotion in the music. Sounds like, yeah, like with your ma, the knowing was in the doing. Yeah, right. And that was enough. So what you're saying to me makes a lot of fucking sense. I think it's really great, Dave. Really good. (laughs) And sometimes it takes a whole life to fucking learn that, so... Thank you so much for that. We're at the end of the first hour, August 6, 2021 edition. Watt Pedro Show special guest, Taylor Savvy. Hold tight for hour two. August 6, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro. If I do this to myself, 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 If I do say so myself If I do say so myself 
Watch for Pedro show. Getting all semantic on each other here. Off air, people. A little bit. <laughs> started the second hour off with Taylor Savvy. Say so myself. That's what started off. That was the fuse. Kind of a kicker, ready to pop. Rice Quartz after that. This is a Lucas Bella when he was in China. Two guys over there, and they did a collab. Uh, the Imperial Family Reigns Supreme Pizza title. Plasterman after that from Ithaca, New York. Frame. Uh, brand new Proj Leaf Blower. Raquel from uh, Galaxy. Uh, it's called Slice, this tune. And then Rhythm 55 Frisky Mossfoot Riskly Riga, <laughs> which is Andre uh, Vita, the Pink Book Trita. Trio. Y- you got to enlighten us to this, please, Taylor. Um, as to the title, I have no idea. But No, no, no. I'll but just... the, uh, the, 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 you know, the whole trip. Uh, why did you give me that piece of music? What's it about? Ah. Because it's one of the kind of um, few, um, I have a long relationship with Andre, Andre Vida, who kind of cut his teeth playing with Anthony Braxton for years and years. I, I met him in Berlin, Saxman, right? That's right. You guys hung out. Ugh. And I played maybe three, four albums worth of his stuff. He, he's recorded some very interesting stuff. I i don't think he's been a guest on the, yeah, no, he was on the show even. So, and I played a lot. And it was only one night. There was a lot of whiskey. Uh-huh. But uh, interesting cat, and, uh, you know, I know he's a creative cat, so uh, uh, listen to this, but I understand now. Uh, Yeah, Peak Book Trio actually was the name of uh, one of his records. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's that's right. So so he's probably from your Berlin days. So we haven't got up to there. We're still in your Montreal days. So I I got your chronology fucked up. So sorry. (laughs) So what happens after Montreal and you realize that academia is not going to give you everything you need for music? Well, it gave me a whole lot. And, oh, yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not discounting no, it. But. No, I hear you. But um, as far as like making, hmm, how to say it? Like I moved back to Toronto after after I finished studying in, in, at McGill University and I had course grand visions of world domination of that. <laughs> I, I, I had a band that was living in that bubble you know that school bubble that a lot of people um you know live in and they have a hard time breaking out of naturally because it's 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 designed for a reason to to get you to, to I, I hear a lot of cats for, with that experience says yeah it's designed to make more teachers yeah <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's not a problem either because you need teachers i mean of course, and yeah. I had some fantastic ones and great right, players right. there. It's still, and there's so, nothing no, like there's a nothing. great sensei, right? Fuck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I took that that back to back to Toronto, thinking, oh, because I had a kind of a seven piece band that I was gigging with, doing charts for, and I've always been like a big lover of just arranging and how to arrange sounds in certain special ways. And so I was really loving like Henry Threadgill and oh. uh, a bunch of John Zorn. Yeah. The, Kind of in that '90s era, there was, it was so um, like media. Yeah, and the media was even covering this stuff, which was like <laughs> I can't I can't believe how long ago that was in terms of like I just wish it was still happening that way. Anyway, I know so humans I go through trends, and it's terrible. Yeah, because <laughs> music's music. Why should anything fucking go out of style? Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it's strange. And growing up, kind of liking jazz music, I always thought. And I still do that. If you're a musician, you should get better with age. If you're a creative person. More experiences, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, why shouldn't I buy someone's record 30 years later? It's going to be 30 years better, right? You know, yeah. and often with a lot of 
a lot of uh, jazzers, that is the case. It's like, what's the new album by Pharaoh Sanders, right? It's like top of the charts. I'm How long Bobby... did it take Tommy Flanagan to get, to get that Giant Steps piano solo? Right. I think he said 13 years. <laughs> you know, tra yeah. Trey had been practicing that probably for a couple of years, and he just hands in the, oh, just some chords. <laughs> so good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think he did it out of Belage. I really think uh, in the bubble, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but in another well, way, not. There's there's this interview, you know, I played with, he talking to a Dutchman. They says, who's your favorite tenor sax? And he goes, all of them. <laughs> you know, the guy's just starting out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, I, not to put him on a pedestal or anything, but he was pretty uh, humble about a lot of stuff. So so yeah, so yeah. so 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 you're disappointed by that? That and me too. I thought there was a lot of creative stuff going down with that stuff. Absolutely. Sure. And and um, I'm, I so I kind of took that energy back to Toronto from from that bubble of being a, a Montreal student, and I took it in the in the Toronto and realized like there just wasn't enough room for jazz musicians there. Like there, it's a small town anyway. But I mean Ed Bickert, Don Thompson. I mean the list is so huge, and the, these musicians. You know, when I kind of moved back, like they're still active. They still are getting the gigs. They're, they're still amazing. They worked for it. You know, there there wasn't much room for for new young kids with ideas about about improv at that time. It's all locked up, it, all closed. It's all locked up. Like it, on yeah. the other hand, Mike, you can always just do it in your bedroom. And that's right. And that's yourself. right. So so it's not. It, it's, I'm not saying it as a complaint or anything like that. But for me, I just found it hard to kind of meet the community with kind of dual respect all the way around well i was going to ask you about montreal did you know about those salon you know the spanish cultural thing with the godspeed ye black emperor people and yeah I, I, it kind of that was a little after my time but yeah right, you, right yeah you were at the ground zero for all that stuff well when i'd come through right i live about three thousand miles away but Mauro, the bass oh. man i know they, and Carla Basel, it's a friend of mine here. She did stuff for Constellation. I know there was a scene happening. You know, it's all about people. You're right. There comes like a critical moment when you get a critical mass. Mm -hmm. And it kind of needs that. Otherwise, we're like parallel universe bedroom warriors. <laughs> right? Because <Yeah. laughs> we don't know. We, and, and we're all uh, uh, diluted. Yeah, and it's almost like we need that sometimes to carry on with the tasks. Right, right, know? right, right. The willful denial of reality it's yeah, all around me all the time <laughs> yeah absolute absolute you you gave me this stuff by a guy named gordon thomas yeah do you know gordon or his no no his i don't but I, I really like this though rock and rolling dance <laughs> let's play it oh Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. You will love it, you will love it, rock and rolling dance. Oh, rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. No more restless days, no sleepless nights. Rock and rolling. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. Yeah, rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. You will love it, you will love it, rock and rolling dance. 
rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. No more restless days, no more sleepless nights. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. Will love it, you will love it, rock and rolling dance. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. No more sleepless days, no more restless nights. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, rock and rolling dance. Rock and rolling. Rock and rolling, rock and rolling, dance.
Rock for Pedro show. Yeah. Rock and rolling dance. Gordon Thomas started that chunk of music off. Then E. Well, it's four E's in a row. I don't know how to pronounce it. But they're from Italy. Salary man. Which is like a, a term used in Japan. But uh, that's what music's for. Spreading stuff. Born Shitsters. Uh, these are Gaiji uh, immigrants. Uh, Fukuoka. Uh, born Shitsters. Uh, Richard Gere. Of course, it's got to be about a hamster in the ass. And I'm actually on the bass there, but... It's a special Marcel Marceau mime mix, so yeah, either scratch or sniff. That's the only way you're going to tell us what. The Hazards of Club Life. This is a demo from Dan Jones before he gave it to his squids, Kansas. Yeah, a band called The Squids in Kansas City. Fucking Charlie Parker's kept from Kansas City. Uh, Lester Young. Uh, great, great town for music. Sly Stone said it's not where you're from, it's where you're at, right? Uh, and then finally, Taylor Savvy. My love for you is petrified, which is a great fucking title. I love it. When when do titles when you write a song do they come first or last? Uh, same time. Okay, because I always have to go first, and everybody thinks that's weird. So, uh, uh, enlighten us to Gordon Thomas, please. Gordon Thomas is is another um, kind of a find that was totally. Hmm, I was. I was in Montreal at the time, and as the story goes, is that a friend of mine, um, who uh, Chili Gonzalez, I don't know if you guys know each other. He's a pianist from Toronto as well, but um, we did a lot of music together in the in Toronto when I was there with with Peaches together and Maki as well. And but that's another whole thing. Gordon Thomas, um, his music was on a cassette that that Gonzalez, a friend of his, brought back from New York. That apparently there was a guy that was renting a, a place in the same building and at at um, birthdays and special events, he would give out his personal albums to people. So he would, he's, he was a musician that just recorded vanity albums just to give out to friends and kind of, they're kind of like, they're really hard to describe this music. It's kind of like glorified demo music, New York demo music. So for ads and things like this. And Actually, sort of like a self-published author. That's right. That's right. So a real outsider style approach of things. He, um, in any case, it was a 60-minute pile of music that just kind of came onto my lap with no information. And as you know, that's the most exciting way to yeah, get Absolutely. It. So it, it kind of took years. So I would just be making copies for friends, just getting it out there. And musically, what it was like, it was Gordon singing and the songs would be very few lyrics and most of them are just about um ladies so a song about share would be kind of like the lyrics might be like share you are the best share you spread joy aren't you great share but so, so just <laughs> pretty focused <laughs> very focused yeah are, are you aware of a cat from uh, Houston called Jandik? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, right. it, is it something like thing, that? Yeah. Is it something like that? It, it's something like that. Gordon didn't make a, Didn't Jandik do like 40 or 50 hours? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I got to do two gigs with him. I, I got to meet the man. No and, uh, Actually, he, he's not Jan, He called himself the representative from Corwood Industries. Cool. He was very cool people. And he knew a lot <laughs> about our scene and shit. He knew about the germs and... Wire and pop group and Minuteman. Yeah, yeah, he's a very interesting Sweet. guy. He asked me to play like Jack Bruce at the gig. He only talked about the music like right before we go on stage. Why don't you do a cream thing? I said, okay. 
Oh, sweet. <laughs> but that that's beautiful happy. about it. So you kind of cultivated this. Uh, you finding out about it, you turning your friends onto it. He became, see, that's what music can do. It becomes a fabric to connect humans in that, a non-fascist way. Yeah. Yeah, right. But in this way, though, one of the people that I passed on the, the cassette to, uh, my friends Malcolm and Stacy, ended up doing a documentary about Gordon Thomas. So they were piqued about the whole story, and they thought, hey, how can we make this a cool story? Because it's, it's, it totally um, captivated them as well. So they went down to New York, and really in short time, they actually found Gordon Thomas, who was still alive in his early 90s. Wow. in Brooklyn and and basically like after not too yeah not too much effort they um they put this movie together but they kind of ended up at the end of Gordon's life kind of as his representatives because nobody gave a damn about Gordon's music for so long for so long yeah and as I was saying like his singing was was kind of off kilter and kind of like you know, I don't know dad at the barbecue style a little bit but the musicians were always like top shelf jazz musicians living in new york who were friends of his so it had this weird thing of like not being able to figure out like why was this music made that there was one theory that we came up with maybe he saved a record industry um ceo's kid from drowning that, that was the one for a while. It's like, wow. okay, and may, maybe in return for that, he got tons of studio time. Like, that makes sense. But yeah, it was yeah. even stranger. Yeah. Right, the fact right. that he actually, he put these these songs together hoping that he would, he would get some success from it. Lo and behold, in his early 90s, that these, these kids from um, Montreal end up doing a documentary about him, finding him and kind of helping manage his catalog in terms of... Um, getting gigs for him but these were the first gigs that he ever had he yeah yeah doing these recordings when he was i don't know 30 late 30s so you know fratello so, andrea was into he was uh, into a trio that was doing the work of this cat moon dog exactly kind of like that a little bit a little bit yeah yeah exactly and um so anyway, so Gordon Thomas was found and he had a career resurrection in his early 90s. And he, he passed away just a few months shy of his 100th birthday. Wow. And I got the good the good fortune to actually go down to Montreal to be kind of directing one of his gigs. And then we went to the studio for a weekend. So I had this this amazing life experience for sure of, of having this moment of like, this music dropped in my lap. Like, okay, this is going to change your life. This is so great this music right now and then to lead to actually meeting the man and actually working with them and we put a record out called everything's coming my way which was the name of the documentary done about him as well and um and he did his he kind of he was really happy at the end of his life <laughs> that's incredible that's beautiful and we're at the end of the we, second hour august 6 2021 and this wapito show special guest taylor savvy hold time for hour three August 6, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
for me to say that because I never do <laughs> yeah I always a brief and uh, with Peaches you know people are always saying that I, I, I never really played for Iggy Pop I played for the Stooges he always called it Stooges uh-huh. yeah he had a lot of respect <laughs> for those guys he loved the Ashton Brothers loved Brother Steve McCary and 
And then, uh, yeah, he, he wanted to work with James Williamson again. I, I, I got to see, I was finally the youngest guy in the band. <laughs> then we had Carl 2000 with uh, <laughs> and Blumen lead. And, you know, yeah, it is a trip because without that band, we wouldn't even have had a movement. And here I got to help them out, man. I mean, incredible accident, lucky what. A babe, babe's New York City with, come on, baby, a medley that you gave me here. This is Chuck Berry, Folk Songs of Canada, and Muchachos. And, uh, yeah, you saw Chuck Berry with his pants on, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's an image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, does that mean something to you, that story? I, of course. You, everybody knows about that shit. It's usually Fair the enough. other way around, though. Yeah. <laughs> right? The, the lady, she's not digging it so much. Anyway, what what happens after uh, a Gordon and Thomas experience? Because uh, you end up getting to Berlin somehow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it was kind of... Um, what's the chronology? Yeah, kind of, I was living in Toronto for a while and, and playing with a lot of different projects. And then I put this thing together called Taylor Savvy, which was um, kind of late 90s. It was this kind of explosion that a bunch of us kind of in the music scene that um, for us anyway, like a lot of scenes, it's just a few people involved. And, and usually the history stays that way. <laughs> I know, but, but it, it creates the critical mass I was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, as far as you're concerned, it's the hugest thing in the world. But you're right; it could be a little fucking splinter, nothing. Yeah, of, of course, of course. <laughs> to, the, to the mob. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, but there was um, it was kind of a, a interesting time that there was a, a group of us doing music, Peaches included, that was very much trying to just link uh, electronic music together with rock music. And kind of using theatrical elements or basically anything we could to read the room and to get people on our side by doing kind of aggressive music, but fun music with playing with sexuality and, and all these stuff that is on a, I don't know, 20 something year old mind all the time. So anyway, we're doing that and um, found that, I don't know, I had these, I had a band Taylor Savvy together and it was, it was me and two other guys. Now we would just kind of put together these songs, which were kind of slogan songs so it was kind of like kind of like the chuck berry or the muchachos thing it's just kind of one riff over and over but we had kind of some elaborate like choreography worked out on stage to kind of a piss take on fashion week things or or whatever else and sometimes they would start with us being completely uh naked on stage and then by the end of the set we would have full three-piece suits you know so it would kind of go and it sounds like it's a little performance oriented i mean there's a musical thing that yeah it's true, and, and we um, we had a gas playing playing lots of shows, but the the, the crowds were really like really. Um, it wasn't the time yet, just to say it like that in in Toronto, but over in Berlin, um, Peaches and uh, and Chili Gonzalez had kind of been over there just to do a few gigs here and there, and they kind of put the call up to me, and they said, "Yo, Savvy, like it's it's off the hook here. We're in Berlin. The scene is great. There's all these musicians that we." We love. We're listening a lot. Do you remember the label called Digital Hardcore? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay, because that was a Berlin thing, like mid '90s. I guess Alec Empire was the the leader, right. but there was all start all the riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we were just loving that stuff, playing it in our in our 
their, uh, their cars and little Toronto apartments. And it was a thrill to finally go over to Berlin and to meet all these people, all these musicians that were like way younger than us too, but just basically doing what we wanted to do, just like aggressive, very sexual, and getting people's faces and just bringing experience with it. Like pro- pro- provocative. Of course. Why? I mean, there's a lot of us have that streak of like, why do something unless you're going to try to change someone's life? You know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that important sometimes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and, and uh, um, maybe the key, the character of your persona was a little earnest. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But that kind of led to a full uh, exodus. A bunch of us took. Maki was another one of us that just like packed up, move over to Europe, and uh, found a, an audience of like willing people to, I don't know, to play the full, full small rooms of people who were stage diving and like freaking out and loving it. So yeah. it wasn't much of a. And to be honest, like it was a time in my life too that was a good time to kind of let's close down some things and start some new things over here in Europe. So. I kind of started fresh and in doing that kind of re um, how to do this. It's not um, kind of the name change happened around then too. So Dave Sagetti is the name that I grew up with. And, um, and, but I kind of, by the end of the nineties in Toronto, my friend Feist, Leslie Feist as well as kind of a singer songwriter. She's great. And, and she tipped me off. She said, Hey man, you, you should be Taylor Savvy. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, we were all giving each other names at the time. It was very hip. Oh, I know. The, uh, the 70s in Hollywood was this. I didn't know anybody's fucking name. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> Darby Crash, Pat Smear, Don Bowles, all that shit. Lorna Doom. Tony, oh, Tony 19. Love, okay. Love to meet all those people. You gave me yeah, this so. stuff. Uh, <laughs> Hula Hut in the Seven Seas. Let's listen.
The men start to die there. They start dying, and they were dying all day Wednesday and all Wednesday night. You see them dropping air and dropping there. They die on their feet. They talk about their wives and their families and their children, mothers and fathers. They talked about practically everything. So I worked a little bit harder. I stamped and I slapped my hands and I did everything to try to uh, survive so nobody else would get my girl. I wore out my boots almost to the inner soles to get back home to my girl, the one I loved. I wish for
lived in St. John's and the Bella Venture, and I never saw so many people in all my life. Oh, gee. 
showed up and they just stayed there with the cars and they carried all the gear for them and people were carrying the sticks and some people started playing hockey by the sidewalk. It was only natural that a hot stove league would play an important role in those early productions. Play by play by Foster Hewitt. They've set a record for the fifth time. They are the champs. Tension riding high. Ron of Maple Leafs leading in the series. Three games to two. Canadians using six attackers. The net is empty. That's for a week. Takes the touchdown. And it's over. The Ron of Maple Leafs have won the Stanley Cup. We don't need it here. 
Passeport canadien.
for Pedro Show Last Music for this edition. Hula Hut, the Seven Seas with Kohala March. There's no romance in the cities no more. Only love could bring us back. Hockey team meets the ambulance. Snowbank versus Landline. The Marshy Cho Dude Club. Montpay. Oh, no, that's his French here. Montpay, c'est l'Arctique. Uh, this is Manuel Armida's idea of a, a medley, okay? And this is a guy from Mexico City who lives up in Yellowknife. He married a Canadian lady. And uh, he was on the show a couple months ago. Incredible cat. And Derek Montepenny, Unjust Intonation Part 1. Uh, Lamont Young, maybe. Maybe not. He just likes the words. Uh, Taylor Savvy, finally. Fugue hollers. It's like hollers with West Virginia. You know what's, where you live and shit? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Mixed in with Johan Sebastian Bach. <laughs> okay. No, 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 this shit about, like, I remember, you know, this is a guy when hardcore, like, in the 80s, and he got a label, and all his bands sound the same. And if, if, you, if you verified one bit from the, the, the whatever paradigm, all of a sudden you weren't doing punk and you were doing art. <laughs> what the fuck's that shit about? Man? I mean, I mean, this is for uh, thirty-five years ago or something, right? Early eighties, or, or nah, maybe um, mid later eighty-eight eighties, and they're trying to codify shit, you know, so they can sell it, and like this fits and this don't fit, and uh, it really, it's at the core thing of labeling off music and genre and all this fucking gulag Berlin Wall shit. I can't handle it. <laughs> don't mean to vent on you like that, Taylor. So what you're doing with with your performances and, uh, and your buddies and stuff and reinventing yourself for your own sake and 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 the gig goers, you know, it was right. It's a two way thing. I I think that's fucking good enough, <laughs> and, and it's very inspiring, you know. And uh, yeah, when you look back well, on it, had... the revisionists yeah. are going to have their fucking say anyway, right? That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, but this, but go on. Well, I'm I'm wondering what you got going right now. What I got going right now is, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this last year and a half has just been a weird twilight zone for everyone. Um, that said, I got lucky, and I'm I'm doing a theater gig for the first time in my life, which is kind of cool. It's with the Berlin Schaubühne. Um, with Thomas Ostermeyer directing this, do you know this the book called Vernon Zubutex? Hmm. It's a, uh, it's it's pretty great. I mean, the, the more or less, it's a story about um, kind of the generation of kind of people growing up when the music is just how record stores are closing down. The music industry is completely out of it, and the kind of the, the stories about it. An interesting dude that kind of starts um, with a record shop, and by the end of it, he's completely homeless. So it's it's it's, just, uh, it's but it's a super super nice production and I'm playing in the band with that so it's kind of like post punk songs thrown in in between the scenes. Well, so it's kind of a musical. Be. It's a musical, yeah. So it's kind of like there'll be a really intense scene, um, and then followed by. Um, I don't know, uh, California Uber Alice. Or, yeah, I don't uh, want to be totally, you know derivative or shit, but Three Penny Opera, uh, Bertolt Brecht kind of trip? 
No, nothing like that. Oh, it's like full okay. loud. So it's loud rock. It's loud. No, rock. no, not like, well. He was from a different time, so it's maybe like the Angry Inch, Hedgewick, or that's what you mean. Kind of not. Yeah, it is. But I tell you something. It's great through through the COVID. We we were just kind of rehearsing semi regularly, and I, I was the only person I knew that had kind of the access to a great stage, great lighting, killer sound team just being able to play endless solos on, on tunes. I'm playing guitar and singing in this, in this production. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's good. Again, it's like something I've ever done before, which is a thrill to, to, to jump into and do. Some, and you some still sometimes work. play bass though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's kind of a constant thing too. I'm always looking for improv situations, um, just basically new sounds. Like right, that, right, right, right. And that element of like kind of this outsider thing of like, it doesn't really matter what the source is. It's just right. there's certain human human things that just attract other humans. So that's kind of always at the bottom of it. I'm always trying to like, I don't know, rattle the damn sandbox to find like, okay, how can I how can I make make a difference here somehow? Shake you know, up the I'm, deck. You know, Sly Stone yeah, said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. <laughs> You said a lot of good things, but that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, where can people find you on the internet? They kind of can't. They can just get a okay. Google me and I'm around. You're going to have to go see this play, people. Exactly. See the play. <laughs> but I'm, I'm and you're not, you don't have to just Google. You can use a search engine because they're not the only guys with a search engine. <laughs> Ian exactly. McKay really gets pissed off at that. <laughs> sorry, Ian. I'm not sorry. so weird. Yeah, sorry, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> man you know it's been a big honor to have you on the fucking show and we could talk forever thank you so much i, re I really can't well, thank listen, you enough. if you're back in berlin i'm buying you oh you know i'm gonna again. come back to berlin fantastic <laughs> let's let's thanks so you know, much I mean, it's brown and it's going down so i can't wait to meet you in the flesh there taylor thank you so much <laughs> you too mike okay, thanks, thanks so much for having me yeah big love people it's been uh august 6 2021 just what pedro so keep your powder dry